what's what's the metric for hate you know what i mean how do you how do you measure that i guess in this case it would be people's votes votes Hello. Please leave your message. Hi. Um this message is for Gigi Gomez. Um I hope I got the right number. Uh I got it from our friend Slickwater. You know Slickwater, right? Did you know he was in Curacao right now? He's something else. Anyway, I'm a journalist. My name is, um, well, I use different pseudonyms, but my real name is Anyway, I hope you are safe and healthy. Um, I'm a big fan of the gobbledygooker and of your career, but especially the gobbledygooker. Um, you're my favorite. You're, you were my favorite. You are my favorite. Anyway, I would love it if I could interview you on my show sometime. Um, I can pay you, which I probably shouldn't pay you. That would be unethical. But yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. I'll pay you to come on the show um, if you want. Um, anyway, I'd love to interview you. This is my number in case you want to get in touch with me. Have a nice day. Thanks. Did you watch a lot of wrestling? Back oh, yeah, yeah, I grew up on it. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially this era that you're talking about. Like, um, I was about to bring up the one-man gang turned to Hakeem and everything and all this other stuff. Because oh, it's like God. so much so much stuff that I saw on Sundays. Like, you know, when Jake the Snake ripped off Rick Rude's um, clothes and shit. That was that such was. a good time. Yeah, and the best the best days were when that happened and then Saturday Night's the main event. Like, at night, like the nights when Saturday Night Live wasn't on, they had Saturday Night's main event. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, this is like watching. This is like having a pay-per-view for free. <laughs> yeah, I believe the the one before WrestleMania, actually around around this time, the one before WrestleMania four, I think that's like one of the most watched wrestling events uh yeah. in the history of television. Yeah. Maybe it might be the most watched. The one wow, with yeah. Hogan and Andre and the belt got held up. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I've been watching, like I've been getting I'm I'm super late on um just seeing everybody's origins and like um Ring of Honor and stuff like that. But I've been like, but every Saturday night when I'm up, like, you know, basically, I usually do a live on Saturdays with um, Reese Waters with, um, from Get Up DC. And so when that's done, when that's done, I might take a nap, but I always end up waking up in the middle of the night and Channel um, 7 plays like, like, they always, it, like, lately they've been showing like, um, each week they'll have somebody talking about their favorite matches from um, Ring of Honor. And that is like, it comes on late at night, like on Saturday nights. Yeah, and, I actually, I'm supposed to record that, but I feel like I don't, I don't know. It doesn't record for me or anything. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool though because people like you see they they show interviews with the, with the folks and they talk about their favorite matches and why. And then it's like you know, and it's it's folks that sometimes it's folks that either went to WWE or folks that you knew from other promotions and stuff. And then like um, or just folks that have been there for a long time that I don't really I hear about, but I don't really get to see as often because I have no idea where to watch their stuff like on a regular basis. You know? Yeah, I mean. 
the Ring of Honor was real hot when, you know, the Elite was still there. Yeah. Um, and, but then when they left, that really gutted yeah. the roster. Um, and they got a few, you know, good – they got a few talents. But really, you, you – once the Elite left, you, you kind of – it kind of exposed its weaknesses and showed how great yeah. New Japan was. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that's kind of why they're doing what they're doing right now, where they're showing all these, like, greatest hits type matches and not really putting out as much new stuff on, on these um, national shows. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's mainly because they, I would say, like, you know, they don't have as much content that people want to see. <laughs> I don't know. In 1987, Byron Feldstein was an average American fast food employee until the day he was handpicked by Vince McMahon to work in the Titan Tower cafeteria. He quickly adapted to the Wild West lifestyle of 1980s WWF. However, Feldstein had no aspirations of working in the wrestling business. But thanks to a chance encounter with madness, that all changed leading to one of the most unsung contributions in the history of the wrestling business. Tonight, Leon and I discuss the cream of the crop promo by the macho man, Randy Savage in a tour of flavor. I like to call the pillar of salt. You remember, uh, remember the commercial where Vince McMahon is, he's walking through Titan tower and, and this is a little later on, but the, you know, they got Steve Austin and the rock and they're all throwing people around and everything like that. Yeah. You know, that's what it was like. That's really what it was like wow. on any given day. You know, yeah, you'd be scooping potatoes and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Ricky Steamboat would just, just fly through a wall or, uh, you know, tug, Tugboat would just, you know, fall on the ground or something like that, you know, slam into your cauliflower. So it was a very exciting, exciting place to work, you know. And everybody was, you know, using so, so many drugs, yeah. Uh, so that was fun too, because you know they were they were just flowing. It seems like you you enjoyed that time. Was it would that make things difficult for the the salaried employees or? No, it was it was a it was a vibrant atmosphere. You know, you know, Mister Mister McMahon used to say, "If you're not if you're if you're not scared of the place you work, you're not working." You know, he would say that all the time. He'd come down because people would say, you know, I don't want to work here anymore. Or, you know, I'm afraid of Arn Anderson because Arn was, I mean, he could be, he could be a nasty guy. You know, Arn, he'd yeah. reach, well, because he, you know what he would do? He would reach over the sneeze guard and take the food from around the other side of the buffet, which was sounds, really weird. Yeah, that sounds like more of a Tully Blanchard move, really. Yeah, well, Tully would do it too. Tully yeah. would do it too. But Tully would also sneeze on the food. And then, so, and what do, what were your responsibilities there? Did you do the cooking? You do the serving, the cleaning? So I did a lot of cooking, but my primary job, like what I was really hired for was coffee management. Mm -hmm. And Vince wanted a guy specifically to do coffee management because Vince is very, very particular about how he takes his coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, he likes, well, well, let's, I'll, I'll tell you what he likes is most people, right? They put in the grounds, the ground up beans, and then they pour hot water over it. And then they drink that, right? Yep. Well, Vince thought any sort of drug that helps you stay awake, it makes you weak. That's weak. So what mm -hmm. he would do was he would take out the ground beans and just pour hot water 
through a coffee machine and drink that straight up. Mm-hmm. And he said that that built character. And I'd say to him, I'd say, Mr. McMahon, it's not really coffee. And he would say to me, Feldstein, it's a cup to me. Just like that. This kind of uh, clearish, brownish, just. Yeah, because it would pick yeah. up a little bit of what was, because uh, he wanted it to run through the, the, the thing that had the filter in it. Yeah, just sort of a brown water. But he hmm. said this, that, you know, that that, that was what, uh, that was, that, that'll make you stronger, drinking something like that. He said, coffee makes you weak. Mm-hmm. But hot water poured over uh, an only 30% clean filter would make you strong. And, hey, I mean, you know, he's still around today, so. I mean, drinking that, like, straight up boiling hot water explains his voice. I mean, it's very gravelly. It sounds very strong. Very, very mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I tell you what, he doesn't put anything over, not even scolding hot water. You mentioned, you mentioned that there was a lot of drugs going around there. Did you ever partake? Did you ever, I did. You did, yeah. I did, yeah. Well, you couldn't not. You know, you did, well, you could, you could, you, let me rephrase that. You could not if you chose not to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make that choice. Does that make sense? You, you had know? a choice, but you didn't mm-hmm. have a choice. So when you had the choice, you made the choice that you didn't have. That's exactly right. Giant Gonzalez comes in and Giant Gonzalez, not a lot of people knew this, but he always wore that, um, that suit. Right. <laughs> he always wore it. He said he always wore it because it, that way, if one day he just showed up to work naked, nobody would have batted an eye. He'd come in with a, you know, a bag of cocaine and just, just drop it on the counter. And, and, and he'd say, like, uh, you know, while I'm waiting for my hash browns, you know, if you want to get in there. You, and, I, you know, and it was always good stuff. You know, these guys weren't cheap. You know, they were bringing in good stuff. So I did, yeah, I would, I, I would dip in here and there, you know. Long, you're working long hours, you know. I mean, yeah. I wasn't bumping or anything like that, but I was working long hours. Of course, you're on the team, yeah. and it's a team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So you, you drink the coffee grounds you got to drink, and you do the drugs you got to do. I mean, who says no to a man with airbrush muscles, you know? You don't, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the other uh, You want to turn these guys down? You want to say no? <laughs> you kidding yeah. me? These guys are going to throw me through the wall. Mm-hmm. And there, there was no physical, there was no uh, physical requirements to work in the cafeteria? Uh, well, it was the opposite of what you might think. They wanted a scrawny guy. That's kind of how they found me. Right. I was working at an Arby's mm-hmm. and Vince came in and he, he, he ordered a sandwich or something. And then he just kept looking at me and, and saying, look at this guy, he's so small. Look at him, he's tiny. <laughs> Look at him behind the counter. He's small. Yeah, I remember he just said it over and over again, and uh, which was, uh, you know, very dehumanizing. Uh, but then at the end, he, he said he wanted me to come come work for him. He said I was exactly what a cafeteria worker should look like. Mm-hmm. You make, you know? you know, if you're small, you make the wrestlers look bigger, just like you're small it, announcers, small managers. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. No. And I mean, I interestingly enough, I was almost Harvey Whippleman. Really? Mm-hmm. I almost did the Harvey Whippleman character. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, almo- you almost managed uh, Quan? Or... I was this close. I was this close to being in there with Quan. Oh, my goodness. That's interesting. But, yeah, but they said at the end, they said it's too, he's too, you know, on the nose, you know? Mm-hmm. Byron Feldstein, Harvey Whippleman, they said it's too close. Let's get somebody who looks a little bit less stereotypically Jewish. Mm-hmm. So they, they grabbed down, down, old downtown Bruno. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think they ended up doing that. I think they decided let's just actually get somebody who does look stereotypically Jewish. But they didn't go with me for whatever reason, which is fine. I liked working in the kitchen. Well, they needed you on coffee. Right, exactly. I was yeah. Mr. McMahon's coffee. <laughs> and then did you have any favorites, any wrestlers that you like to hang out with, or spend time with, joke around? The demolition guys uh, were crazy. Wow. Those guys were nuts. I love those guys. They look because. Nuts. They were nuts. They were nuts. But you know what? They were also smart. You know what they like to talk about? Freud. Freud. Sigmund, they were big Freud heads. Interesting. They used to come in, they'd have a book about psychology, and they'd sit down and they'd talk about, you know, what your relationship with your mother how does that affect your life and then they would have you know snort a whole bag of cocaine and we would have a great time i love those guys they were two of my favorites them and hercules hercules hernandez yep i loved hercules man that that guy was a blast that guy was the best he had i'll tell you something he could walk so quickly he looks like a quick walker. So quickly he would walk. He would be the first guy in line for lunch every day. I'd say, how'd you get here so fast? He'd go, walking. Was he, was he moving that fast with chains on or without the chains? Always with the chains on. Never took the chains off. If McMahon saw him without the chains, he'd go, where are the chains, bud? Hey, pal, where are the chains? Yeah, put them back on. That's how he got to be so fast because he's walking. It's like when a baseball player swings a bat with the donuts on it. He spent his whole life with the chains on. McMahon followed him home once. He followed him home. He watched him go in his house, go into his bedroom. He's about to lie down and go to sleep, takes the chains off. McMahon burst through the window. Put the chains back on. Bow. Made him sleep with the chains. <laughs> oh, man, like the Kool-Aid man. I love it. <laughs> exactly like the Kool-Aid man. Absolutely. Okay. Was the pro- how was the product back then? Was it good? It, it, was, it was outstanding. Golden era, right? Yes. Golden era. Nobody <laughs> wants it, but they need it. Uh, I'm going to throw out some wrestlers. And I want, I, I'm curious to know if, uh, what their diet was like, what kind of stuff did they like to eat? And I think we've touched mm-hmm, on a mm-hmm. couple of these here. Uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, meat, meat, heaps upon heaps of uncooked meat. Just raw beef. As raw as like what you like, what, like in a cartoon when they mm-hmm. give a dog a steak, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? What it looks <laughs> like, like that's what, that's what he liked. And I used to, sometimes I'd say, you know, Vince, this isn't really safe. You know, it's kind of against regulation. Why don't you let me heat this up for you a little bit? Forget it, pal. He would just eat the raw, bloodied meat. So what about Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan. What did Hulk Hogan eat? White food. Had, <laughs> white. had, to, be wh- had to be white. Mashed white. potatoes, yeah. rice. Didn't like any food with any sort of color in it. Didn't like it. That, uh, that feels on brand. Tell you something about him. With his coffee, he would only drink coffee if it had uh, creamer in it. He couldn't stand black coffee. And I remember once he said, he was like, this was really weird. He was like, if my daughter ever got involved with a black coffee, yeah. that would just infuriate me. And I thought that was really, really strange. Yeah, really straight. So all an all white diet for the Hulkster. You know, we really should have seen it coming when the guy's just eating a jar of mayonnaise, plain. I don't know how Mr. T coexisted with them for two WrestleManias. I don't know how that worked. 
apparently Mr. T, you know, didn't didn't mind uh, a little bit of cream in his coffee. What can I tell you? I mean, I the A team was all white, so I guess he, he was used to it. <laughs> he was used to it. Yeah, he was used to it, I guess. Now, what about uh, Andre the Giant? Well, Andre had his own, uh, he had his own uh, buffet. Did you know that? He had his entire buffet to himself? He had his own buffet. He had his own buffet line. Yeah. How much coffee? Did he... Oh, well, he had his own coffee, uh, you know, tumbler too. He would have his own, you know, we'd have one, well, you'd have one for Vince because Vince was doing his own thing. And then you'd have one or two for the talent. And then Andre had his own that was much bigger than everybody else. And he had his own buffet line. So, you know, fish, uh, meat, uh, rice, potatoes, uh, only broccoli mm. when it came to vegetables, only broccoli. And then, of course, he had his own walk-in fridge full of beer. Oh, you had the entire walk-in fridge just for Andre. That's right. The, before there was even the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, there was the Andre the Giant Memorial walk-in fridge. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's at Titan Tower. Nice. Wow. And if fans can go see it, too, and everything? They can see it. It's in the cafeteria. Yeah, it's, it's a big plaque. It says uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial walk-in fridge. What about Ricky the Dragon uh, Steamboat? Lizards. He, that sounds cannibalistic. It's weird. Right, but he, he was very devoted. He's very devoted to the character. Was that his character? He uh, was the dragon, right? So he had to become everything about him. Look, Ricky the Dragon. You go back, you watch his work, right? He's unbelievable, right? He's a, he's ahead of his time. One of the best, undisputed, one of the best ever, right? Why? Because he throws himself into the character. He becomes the character. He says, "If I'm going to be a dragon, I got to eat like a dragon." Then he takes it one step further. If I'm going to eat like a dragon, I'm going to eat a dragon. What about Lord Littlebrook? If, uh, do you remember Lord Littlebrook? Smaller gentleman from England, yeah, famous yeah. from the six-man tag with uh, mm-hmm. uh, King Kong Bundy and mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Not Haystacks. Uh, Hillbilly Jim. Yeah, Hillbilly mm-hmm. Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, what yes. he... No, I remember now. I remember. Uh, Jello. Je- he was a Jello fan. Green, green Jello. Wow. Interesting. Every meal. Interesting. It's very mm-hmm. specific. Did he ever talk, tell you, talk <laughs> to you about why? He ate the jello? What was it about? Was it he, sentimental? He said, he said he could feel the jiggles in his tummy when he was in the ring. I can feel it jiggling when I'm in the ring. I said, what? I don't know what that means. It was a, it was a weird, I didn't want to pry too far into it because mm-hmm. it felt dark to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, these athletes, they, you know, they have these high performance regimens. Uh, I, I, I don't want to question it. Uh, no, me neither. I, I, I didn't ever question any of it. You kidding I, me? You get a block to the head. Little Brook, I was a little less afraid. I'll be honest with you. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I'm bigger than this guy. It's only so much. I mean, you just don't just don't get on the ground. If he gets you uh, three feet or below, he's gonna he's gonna really uh, oh. stretch you. He's he gets you three feet or below. He's Kurt Angle. Now, what about Mean Gene Okerlund? What did Mean Gene? Mm, mm, soup. He's a soup, soup. guy, eh? Oh, even with the mustache, uh, he's a soup, soup guy. Even with the mustache soup. Wow. <laughs> Let me tell you, minestrone, chicken noodle, split pea, whatever. Italian come wedding? In and go. Italian. Oh, did, he, did he eat Italian wedding? Come on. He'd come in. He'd say, Byron, what do you got? What, what, do you, what soup you got for me today, Byron? <laughs> Gene, we got whatever you want. Well, fill up my bowl. Because let me tell you something. I'm ready for a bowl of soup. I say, you got it, Gene. And he liked it. He liked, he liked thick soup. He liked thick soup. Oh. If it was too thin, he'd send it back and just have uh, alcohol. 
And last but not least, Macho Man Randy Savage. What was his Ooh. diet like? Ooh, Macho. <laughs> did you were you did you guys have a good relationship? I loved him. I loved Macho. He used to he used to come into the kitchen and he'd say, Byron over here, heat me up some of that great soba noodle you got. Yeah, loved Japanese food. Now I watched him fight an octopus and eat it alive. Love actually gave him gave Macho Man the idea for the cream of the crop. How did that how did that come about? I'll never forget it. He comes in, comes into the kitchen, he's getting his coffee. And he, he goes over to the, you know, the, the uh, carafe and he, he turns the nozzle, pouring the coffee. And I said to him, Macho, you want some creamer? And he looks at me, he goes, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I said, do you want some creamer? What, how, what are you he had no idea what I was talking about. I held up, a, I said, we have these little packets of creamer. You put them in the coffee and, and you know, I don't know how else to explain this to you. It said, you add he had never seen it before in his life. He didn't think that there was anything like that that existed. He was spellbound by this thing. He said, you got, you, you got cream? You got the cream? I said, Randy, not only do we got cream, this is the cream of the crop. Well, his eyes lit up. He goes, wow. how many of these do you have? I said, I got a whole you know, stock room full of them. He goes, good. We're going to need all of them. He, wow. he must have taken 40, 50 of them into that promo. And then he said he already knew magic, obviously. And so he's just taking these things out and taking them out. You see Gene's face. He's blown away. He's, he's blown that, away. He doesn't. He, he, uh, I don't think Gene's uh, seen that much creamer up close. Gene can't believe it. Every time that the cream, uh, the new cream comes out, Gene <laughs> looks like a four-year-old kid watching a magic show. And and I and I was you know I was so proud that he took that line from me the cream of the crop and I could do this thing, see he knew the magic but I could do this thing I showed him where I would take the creamer and I put it on my head and I balance it on my head he go oh that's great yeah and he would take it put it on his head could not balance it yeah. and he said oh I'm gonna do that you know my next interview I said I don't think you should do that Randy you can't you can't you doesn't seem like you can keep it on your head he said no no I'll be able to do it yeah I'll do it on camera yeah could never quite got it. It was very foreboding, that conversation. So let's let's go ahead and jump into this promo. I'm going to set the scene here. Um, we're, we're talking about May uh, of 1987. Uh, this was an episode of WWF Primetime Wrestling. He's Macho Man's just lost the Intercontinental title to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at WrestleMania three in one of the greatest matches of all time. Actually, in the same month, May of 87, uh, Savage was voted the most hated wrestler in the world uh, of professional wrestling. Um, hmm. is, that, is that fair? Uh, I, I mean, he was a hated figure at the time. Well, other people hated him, but I loved him. My vote was not for him. I'll put it that way. My vote was for somebody else. And who, and who would you vote as the most hated person at that time there's a certain guy in the locker room who i didn't really care for brother oh oh mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about the, the the whiteman mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah steve whiteman as, as i used to call him so you you hated hulk hogan then i didn't like him i didn't like him i said something's not right about that guy yeah something's not right the only vitamin I ever saw that guy take went right up your nose, allegedly. 
Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Leon, what do you remember about this this uh, Macho Man or the promo? Anything in particular? I remember it was just very creative, very innovative, very just um, felt like it was. I'm sure he wrote it before, but it felt off the cuff because it was just so random as 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 hell. Just and as you said, the never ending creamers was just that was a, that was a magical touch. I mean, the same way you and me and Gene was looking at it, I was watching it like, oh my god, there's more cream. Oh my god, more cream. Where's when does the cream stop? When does it stop? Where's it coming Where's from? Where's it coming from? Where's it like, coming from? I mean, I understood it not sitting on his head because you know he, his hair was kind of frizzy. So I understand that that had a life of his own. He had to hold it down with a bandana because. You can't, you cannot restrain that type of hair. It was going to do what it wanted to do. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? Or I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah, unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh yeah philosophical existential question here uh, made famous by uh, Parmenides of Alea. Uh, did you ever talk about philosophy at all? Was he a philosophical person? Demolition. They were the philosophical guys. That's right. That's right. Axe and so Smasher. They liked he philosophy. He probably got that from Demolition. He might have been eating next to them or something in the cafeteria. They might have had a, a, a book on Carl Jung or something like that, uh, or, or Plato or Socrates, and, and he picked it up from them. They were the big, you know, uh, you know, psychology philosophy guys probably that's where he got it oh man all these years and i never gave them listen their proper credit smart <laughs> guys smart guys man randy would come in there and just quote song lyrics and make it sound like it was his he was like it is my prerogative to do this too hot to handle too cold to hold ghostbusters mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in the eighth roll and I'm like okay well all right randy yeah, that sounded <laughs> Sounded like it was yours, <laughs> but it is now. It is yours now. Mama said knock you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Did you give him special instructions on how many times to say cream in the crop, any type of direction at all? I said to him, look, I wouldn't presume to tell the macho man what to do. No, of course not. But I said to him, say it as many times as you can, <laughs> because... You want everybody to walk away from this thing, understanding, if they remember nothing else, that you are the cream of the crop. And when you think of this promo now, however many, what is it, 30 years later, the first thing you think of is that the macho man Randy Savage is the cream of the crop. Yeah, brother, and that's what you think of. Mm-hmm. So I said, say it as many times as you possibly can. You only got about two minutes. You got to make it count. Yeah, you know what, you know what Tunney used to eat? What did, what did Jack Tunney eat? That's very interesting because I want to talk about him. Lightly salted water. Wow. That's what he ate. Lightly salted room temperature water. It really comes through on camera. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he was really feeling, if he was, if he was uh, in a mood, right, if he was feeling adventurous, a saltine cracker on the side. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bland. Yeah. Bland. Yeah, every time you strip the title, I would think this guy is really salty. Yeah, this is a salty individual, so uh, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Yeah, no, you see him and you and you you want you need a glass of water. He was he was he was he's like Lot's wife. He's just like a pillar of salt just walking through the office. <laughs> we used to call him Lot's wife. That tracks. I do, I don't want to run out of time. I want to hit. I really want to hit on the main point here, and sure. that is the relationship with Randy 
Savage and Jack Tunney. Wait, wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Outside interference here. In my moment of glory. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. Now, we know that he blames Jack for uh, losing the Intercontinental title. Let's fast forward to this snake incident. Um, we spoke to the man that provided Jake the Snake Roberts snakes. Um, oh, tweezers. Tweezer, yeah, tweezer Ramon. And yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, also provided the cobra that bit Randy Savage. And it is his claim that this happened because of Jack Tunney and the WWF and not putting enough not having the right documentation, not having the right equipment, not having the right personnel to save Randy after the snake, after the snake wouldn't let go. Do you think there is a connection there? Do you think this goes back? Do you think that Jack Tunney being salty, as you described him, uh, Mm -hmm. do you, do you see a connection there? Would, Would he, do you feel that who is responsible for the snake biting incident? Tony didn't like Macho. Mm-hmm. He didn't like him. He didn't like most people mm-hmm. because most people didn't like him. But he really didn't like Macho. And I think when they brought that snake in and they said, Gerald. When Gerald, right. When they brought Gerald in, uh, Tony had an opportunity to say, I don't know if it's safe to put a snake in the ring while one of the wrestlers is tied up in the ropes. Right. And he didn't say that. Mm -hmm. So that made me think that these things were connected. Wow. And did you, had you seen anything that might've led up to that? Clearly they didn't have a good relationship. There was one thing. There was one thing I'll never forget. I was serving Tunny lunch, right? Bowl of water, a little bit of salt. Today was a saltine day. And I'll never forget this. He looked me in the eye and he said, hey, Byron, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to let Jake the Snake bring a live snake into the ring and bite Randy Savage. That moment to this day makes me think he was in on it. Wow. So you do believe that Jack Tunney was in on it? Only because he explicitly told me, you know? And then afterward he said, don't tell anybody. And then he took an extra cracker. He did the shish. Yeah, he did the shish. Yeah. And that's when I thought, I said, should I tell somebody? But, you know, he talked a lot. I mean, he said a lot of things, you know. I mean, one day he came in and he said, you know, I'm going to tie Roddy Piper to a balloon. And that didn't happen. I don't recall that happening. That didn't happen. He didn't do it. I mean, I don't know. That was a weird. I don't know what he would have gotten out of that. But, you know, he would say stuff like that. And then he'd say, like, I'm going to make 
Greg Valentine run laps. Mm. You know, he would do this sort of stuff. He'd come in and, and then and they'd go, Shh, and I go, okay, Jack, just, you know, just move on. Get, you know, get to the back of the line, Lot's wife, you know? So, so at the time, I, I, I just sort of let it go. But I, now when I look back, it's kind of like the Hogan thing. You look back, you go, oh, I think maybe there was something there. Wow. I mean, this is a real revelation here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what journalism is all about. This is what the fourth estate is all about. Did, did you think Macho, did Macho have any suspicions that this might have happened? That this would happen no, to him? no, because he didn't. Most of the time, he didn't really have much of an idea of what was going on. He would exist from one second to the next. He was you know? very paranoid. He was very paranoid. He had a right to be paranoid, but his paranoia made it so that it was difficult for him to get a grasp on what exactly was happening. You know, you, look, you notice in those promos, a lot of the time, he's not even facing the camera. You know why? Because he's watching his back. And, and maybe Jack Tunney thought that, you know, who's going to see this? It's noon on a Saturday. I think that was exactly what he thought, because <laughs> he said that to me, too. Wow. Right after the shush, he goes, superstars, is it noon on a Saturday? Who's going to see it? I thought that was really weird. Cause I, said, I don't know. Shouldn't you be making sure people see it? You work for this company. Don't you want people to watch the show? But he thought he could get away with a lot during Superstars because people wouldn't notice because it was at noon on a Saturday. You know, like, did you ever see the episode where like he made the killer bees compete in a spelling competition? No. Yeah, no. no. Most people didn't see that because it was noon on a Saturday. Most people weren't watching. Very interesting information from the cafeteria of Titan Tower. According to the former coffee manager, WWF President Jack Tunney committed attempted murder. With this new information, I call on the Stanford, Connecticut Police Department to reopen the case on the snake bite and focus their energy on Tunney, who we now know was geeked out on salt and a hatred for Randy Savage. The ball's in your court now, Stanford. Are you going to investigate Tunney? Or let justice dissolve just like salt into warm water? That's the show for tonight. Uh, I want to thank Leon Scott, Byron Feldstein, and Daniel Strauss. You can follow the conversation online at InsideThePromo.com and at InsideThePromo on Instagram and Twitter. I'm your host, Andrew Applebottom. Good night. Uh, Kool-Aid or no Kool-Aid, I don't need him busting through the door telling me to kayfabe while I'm trying to sleep. Cream of the crop! <laughs>